you're in the bullpen. You might want to watch where you're stepping. Here's American Shorthorn Association CEO, Monty Souls. So welcome to another session of the bullpen. At this point, we have uh, two guests that are really special guests and uh, two people I respect a lot that uh, we work with a lot. Uh, one of them here, Dr. Wade Schaefer, sitting beside me, and uh, Chip Kemp over here, uh, both representing IGS, and uh, they're also part of the Semitol Association. So I'm going to let uh, I'm going to start with uh, Chip here and kind of tell us what your role is with IGS and in Semitol. My job is to work with a variety of different audiences. Sometimes it's the commercial clientele. More frequently, it's more industry relations, uh, packers, feeders, um, and oftentimes it's helping tell the story of IGS. I often tell our folks that um, I'm just Dr. Seuss. I'm just a, to make a compelling tale. Uh, Director of Commercial Operations is the job title. Well, thank you, and, and, and uh, we didn't say IGS, International Genetic Solutions is the, is the name of it. And I really think Wade's probably the founder of this deal, in, in my mind, from what I understand. So we, we've got the man himself right here uh, as the, the I founder don't know of IGS. My, but, I don't uh, know that I'm the founder, Monty, but I was certainly involved from the beginning. And there are several. I mean, IGS is a collaboration, so there's been many, many people that have been involved over the years that are key to making what happens happen. And I guess my job, as I, I guess I'd describe it as, um, over time, uh, years ago, I was more involved and more involved in the science end of things, and I think now I'm probably more involved in, in just trying to keep things going and keep money flowing in so we can keep doing what we're doing. That's probably what it, my major role is now, and I still am involved with the science team, very interested in it, and that's my... That's my keen area of interest, but I'd have to say I've become more of an administrator lately, but, and you know how that I is. I understand, yeah, life changes. So how many breeds, or how many breeds, or we could say breed associations, are part of uh, IGS today? So we've got 19 partners, um, and most all of those are breed associations across Canada. Uh, of course, U.S., Canada, and then Australia. We've picked up a couple in Australia. Uh, we do have one large corporate uh, partner, and that would be Neogen, mm -hmm. and that would total 19. So what would be the number, when you get asked the question, how many head of cattle do we have, how many animals are represented in, in IGS? Well, we're at, I believe we're pushing 21 million, and Chip may have a more accurate count. Actually, fairly recently, the more accurate count is we're actually well pushing north of 21 kilos. and a half. Okay. So. Awesome. So, so one of the things I think that uh, a lot of our listeners may not understand is what IGS really is and how it works, as uh, it's the largest multi-breed genetic evaluation that we have in the industry. And it, it's probably one of the huge advantages that I feel we at Shorthorn have, and uh, I think everybody that participates that's a partner in it, uh, picks up that same advantage. And so, Wade, kind of give us the view of exactly how you would tell somebody how IGS works when we look at all these breed associations that are involved. As you said, Monty, it, um, you know, there's, there's a sizable advantage to all partners involved in IGS. And, and one of the, the major advantages is that we are incorporating all the data 
out there, like you said, where the fact I think we're, we could, we don't even have to say multi-breed. I think we can say we're the largest genetic evaluation of beef cattle, period. And actually, Shorthorn's in a unique position because Shorthorn has three different populations of Shorthorn in IGS. You've got the U.S. Shorthorn, which you represent. You've got the Canadian Shorthorn, and. Uh, a few years ago, we added a, the Australian shorthorn. And what that does is you can take your high-use sires, and they typically are used across several of our partners' populations, and so it just multiplies the number of progeny out of those sires and increases the accuracy. general thought process is that DNA is really critical genetic, to genetic evaluation, the DNA test, and, and there's no doubt that's true. But in order to get the DNA to be as effective as possible, or in order to milk as much as you can out of the DNA, you've got to have lots of phenotypes. And the fact that incorporating three different popular, three related populations of shorthorn, that really helps us do a better job with the DNA. And the other thing about DNA, it's not a magic bullet. You can only get so much accuracy with DNA. And if you want to get high accuracy sires, you've got to have lots of phenotypes. And so from a, from a standpoint of a shorthorn population or the shorthorn breed, I think there's a huge advantage to being part of this, this collaboration we call IGS. Well, it, it's really worked for us. I mean, I, we go back and, you know, uh, <clears throat> I think I mentioned in one, one of my earlier uh, interviews that we were looking at trying to do something to do some blended genomics way back before we had the bolt system put in place and when we we did it you did it for us but when we got it done and figured out we only had about 72 percent of our data was calculated in it because we were picking up 28 percent of our data from other breeds and and other because we got an open herd book other breeds have an open herd book you got short horns in your Simmental registry and 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 it it all just it just come it just starts to go around it one without the other just doesn't work. Absolutely, and and, right and, money. and so I've, I've been using some bull. I want to do use some heterosis in my herd. So how, what do, what do I? Can I compare these cattle back and forth, Chip? Sure. That are part of IGS. So so, money or kind of pull on that thread that that Wade laid down. Every person watching or listening to this knows that at some point maybe they got a a, a piece of fence that's gone sideways, right? Uh, and and them and the neighbor going to agree. They're going to go and they're going to shake hands over that fence that they're going to work together to fix that problem, right? And this industry for too long has worked in opposite of that. And I think our strength here is that we're starting to recognize, as you all have pointed out, we accomplish so much more, so much more thoroughly to help that commercial cow-calf family as we work together. And so one of the ways and one of the very tangible, meaningful ways is you're going to try to use some heterosis. You want to know how this Red Angus bull compares to this shorthorn bull, to this Simangus bull, or to the Angus bull that's in the population. And absolutely, they can go and directly compare those birth weights, those calving ease, those yearling weights, those marbling scores, to know how they're going to get that responsible mating. I don't think everybody understands some of the details here, Wade. So, and Chip, uh, we, we look, Angus is not part of IGS. I'm not trying to pick on them, but that they're just not just part of IGS. They got their own, and they got a large data bank. But we have a lot of Angus cattle in our IGS system because they're used in open herd books. 
you got Semangus and we got our Short Arm Plus and Balancers. A number of our partners have open herd books. So how many Angus cattle would be in our in our in our IGS system? I don't have an exact count in the number of Angus and maybe Chip does, but I know there are millions of Angus, some straight, some hybrid, but millions of Angus influenced animals in the IGS database and all of those animals help us do a better job of predicting all of the animals in the database and then they provide the glue. I mean Angus, obviously Angus red and black both their genes flow across all these populations and that's part of the glue that that pulls all the populations together. Well, Red Angus is part of IGS, Semmental, Shorthorn, Galby, Limousine, just in the Canadian Semmental, uh, uh, Canadian Semmental, Canadian Galby, and Canadian Shorthorn. I mean, we, the list goes on. So as, as, we, as you talk about that glue, it, it, and, and I picked on Angus because it's, it's the large breed registered to most cattle today. So they have a huge influence but they've got their their own separate influence inside of our system that those cattle show how they are working within IGS not necessarily how they're working within the American Angus Association and that's a that to me is if you can explain that a little bit so people well, understand there, there's a little difference there is but but what we do see is there tends to be a lot of agreement with the way especially on higher accuracy Angus sires there's going to be a pretty strong agreement with how they size up in the Angus Association evaluation and the IGS evaluation. To Wade's point, the, the millions of Angus records. We understand Angus genetics at a high level. Uh, we're quite comfortable and, and, and remarkably competent at figuring that out and arguably have access to data points on that breed type that even the breed type itself doesn't have. Um, secondarily though, when you look at specific bulls, it's a fairly regular occurrence when actual Angus seed stock producers reach out to us and ask, hey, could you give us some insight into some of the maternal metrics, the whole life cycle indexes that you all provide? Because those are some tools that they need that, that maybe they don't have fully at this point that they're looking for. And so it's a frequent occurrence when they reach out to us because while the growth traits and some of the terminal traits tend to line up pretty well, it's not that we disagree with, with the other breed association. There are just some places where they have voids to some extent, and we have metrics that, that, that we can offer to add some insight. And our stability EPD would be the example, the perfect example of what Chip is talking about. So Angus does not have a measure of longevity from the time an animal is a first calf heifer from then on, and that's what stability defines. And we do have Angus breeders that kind of look over the fence because we can size up Angus bulls because we have so much data on Angus and Angus females. We can size up how they, they uh, rank in longevity or stability because we have the data. So from, from an IGS viewpoint, and, and I know you, you guys both know I'm fairly, I'm very strong, uh, component of, of that we need this we, 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 we need this in our industry because if, if for me on a personal note I would probably say every breed should be part of this because it's going to help all the breeders Amen, brother. but but you made the comment about it helping the commercial guys I will also make the comment that I think it really helps our seed stock producers that are part of each one of these breed associations maybe as much or more so they can help the commercial guy even more because of this crossbreed 
influence that we get from a Hoban herd book, we, we can provide a better product to our commercial breeder. Absolutely. Not, and then, then they can go make their decisions. I, I think that the beauty of the approach that we're, we all take, right, all of our partners and those of us who are maybe a little closer to it day to day, is that we try to always think through these, uh, these genetic predictions through the prism of what's good for the commercial producer. If it doesn't make a difference in, in the, at the ground level, then it's just minutia math and noise, right? But clearly, as you said, Monty, if we're serving that commercial client and we're doing them well, their seed stock provider is winning, right? And, and so absolutely, that, that's the model and you're correct. Uh, seed stock folks from a variety of stripes see the value of collaborating. They know it benefits them personally. As breed associations, it becomes a religion. You've heard me say this. And we are very passionate about our religion. We're very passionate about our breed associations but it's time to give up the passion and join hands and become partnerships so it becomes better for the entire industry as we move forward because the data-driven industry we're in today is, is ultimate to, to survival. And the more we can get in this big basket, the more we're gonna get back out that's gonna help us going forward. So what I'd say to that is amen Amen, preacher Monty. You're right on the money. <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's, it's a little funny. One day I walked out of church one day and I told the minister, you know, I, I sell cows for a living at that time and I'm pretty good and you sell God for a living and you're real good too. Here's $100. <laughs> yeah. Well, so. and you've heard me say, Monty, the same thing. I tell a lot of folks, I have a religion, thank you very much, and it ain't my cows. Yes. And, 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 I think the thing I would challenge the commercial folks listening, if you're working with a seed stock operator that's been treating you well, that's awesome. But if they don't provide you metrics that allow you to directly compare across multiple breeds, ask them the tough questions. It's your family's livelihood. Ask them why they don't do that and ask them how they can give you then all the tools. In the same way, if you work with a seed stock provider who refuses to accept the value of responsible crossbreeding and heterosis, then have them explain that position to you. Because again, this is what's every rancher want, Monty, you know better than any of us. Um, they want that name, that brand to stay on the gate when they're gone. And so our job is to serve them the ability to help their kids and grandkids stay in that business. And to deny these things is just a dying fact. And, you know, you're here, we're here at NCBA this week and you've been, got your IGS booth and your Semental booth. We're here with our Shorthorn booth, but we're all part of IGS. You go up and down these two rows here, it's all IGS partners with the breeds that are here. We want to join hands. We want to make a statement that we want the industry to understand that we're here to help you, give you options and give you the ability to make the decisions you want to make. I think one of the factors that we could help give our commercial breeders to understand, so I'm going to ask that question, is there any heterosis built into these EPDs or is heterosis separate from what they look at? So heterosis, by definition, EPDs are devoid of heterosis. Um, heterosis, of course, of course, only occurs from the mating. And so if you have a mating of very unlike sire and dam, that's where you get the boost, the heterosis. And of course, the more different the sire and the dam are, the more heterosis you get. And, and so there's been talk about, well, you can get heterosis within a population or within a breed. And technically, 
there's some truth to that, but we're talking that amount of heterosis. It's very tiny, and you know, and that's if you're crossing animals within a breed that are very unrelated. But the amount of heterosis you get in that compared to heterosis you get from crossing breeds that are very divergent is a drop in a bucket. It's just a thimble full of heterosis. So when they when they look at a Simangus and a Shorthorn Plus, there is no heterosis there. That's all been removed. So, so they can figure their own or take their own yeah. feelings or their own information to figure what type of heterosis yeah, the they would get. Yeah, the only way they can get it, the only way they can determine the heterosis is know what they're going to breed that animal right, to. Right. So if they breed, if you've got obviously a straight shorthorn bull and you're going to breed them to straight shorthorn cows, There's you no aren't going to get a heterosis, you yep. know, a thimble full of right, heterosis, right. maybe. Yep. Um, but obviously if you breed a, a straight shorthorn to a straight Angus or a straight something else, you're going to get maximum heterosis. No, it's, it's I, I think it's, it's a free game out there that I think our producers need to understand and they need to take advantage of and and you know there, there's ways to do that and and uh, you know we got people on our staff you got people on your staff to help them if they got questions about you know what breeds can I go to or if I want to do a third breed or bring in a third breed or a fourth breed you know what what do you need for yeah, are you looking for more maternal? Are you looking for more terminal traits? Or what, what, what's your priorities that you want yeah. to change? The core competency of a modern breed association better be credible genetic evaluation. If you claim to be a modern beef breed association and, core, and, and that's not your core, doesn't mean it's the only thing you do, but if it's not your core, you're not serving the audience, right? And so, yeah, I mean, an EPD can't have heterosis in it, otherwise you can't rely on it. On the other hand, we can walk and chew gum because while EPDs are the primary beast and some indexes, we can also then take those tools and use them in ways like the IGS feeder profit calculator, where if you want a prediction of actual biological outcome with heterosis incorporated as you look at those different breed components, we can then flip the switch and put that heterosis back in and give you a vision. So if any of your clients or customers or viewers would ever like to see some of those things, those tools exist, but they only exist because we do the EPDs first recognize those, and then appropriately proportion the heterosis and, and, back and in. Those, and those have been available to all the partners and all the breeds. I and mean, totally free. They, they're there for access to anybody can log in there and find that and run, run their cattle. They want to run through it, and it'll feed it right back to them, the advantages or disadvantages they're going to get. So exactly. it, it, it's there to be used, and, and that, that's been what the goals have been for this, this whole partnership. IGS and CHIP had mentioned that that credible genetic evaluation is at the core of all of our partners' main mission. And, but also at the core of all of our partners' main mission is to serve the industry. You know, we're here to serve the industry and Monty talked about, you know, we need to move past where a breed or a breed association is a religion. Breeds are uh, populations that we use and try to help the commercial industry to make, make money and be profitable. And we need multiple viable breeds to be able to do that. And so I think as long as we all, as breed associations, focus on the industry uh, in the long run, it'll benefit all of us breed associations and certainly benefit the industry. Yeah, our, our fellow breeds are not our or not our, our competition really there are partners I don't even if they're not part of IGS right now because because we need to breed some black cows or some white-faced cows with our bulls it doesn't matter vice versa 
they're, they're partners. We can, they can take advantage of everything. Our, our producers can take advantage of everything. And, and that's the big picture that they need to get a hold of, in, in my mind. This business is hard enough, and Wade mentioned something that, I mean, and, and sometimes we get enamored with the culture of the business, and that's good. We all love that, right? It means a lot to us. That culture's a lot easier to sustain if we're making money. And so, you know, if you're a viewer of this and, and, and the profit component is getting a little challenging, I'd, I'd encourage you to have the courage of thinking about, is crossbreeding something I need to ponder? Is there a breed type that could maybe bring something to the table that, yeah, maybe I could get if I stay in my straight breed, but it might take me the rest of my life to breed to that point. Or maybe with my next AI purchase or my next bull purchase, I can take a significant step forward. And so I know these things can, as you pointed out clearly, they can be hard and that's not lost on any of us that these can be difficult things to ponder and, and accept. But reach out, any of the three of us or any of our various colleagues would, would love to have a what if conversation. If it goes nowhere, no harm, no foul. Yep. And so as we start to wrap this up, I, I really want to thank Chip and Wade to, join us here today in NCBA. We, we've had a good week here. I think you've had a lot of activity. We've had a lot of activity. It's been one of the better NCBAs that I've been to. And, uh, you know, but remember, International Genetic Solutions. We keep saying IGS, it's International Genetic Solutions. And it is the solution that, that really it's, it's well-named. It is a solution for our commercial cow-calf breeders as well as our purebred breeders and our seed stock breeders because this, this is the future of, of the industry. If, if we, I, I actually did a little segment here a little while ago with some swine background. It's no different. They're doing the same thing we're talking about doing, only they've already got it done and they're down the road 25, 30 years on us. But they got a little different gestation and they have litters. But it's the same game. And, and we just got to sit here and, and be patient and let it take its course. But I really challenge everyone to look at this system and and evaluate it because i think it really has a lot of merit thank you wade thank you chip for being with me today and that's the bullpen today thank you for joining us